Wait, you good looking. You're hot. It's like looking in a mirror, only not. So you want to watch a movie, but you don't know which. Choosing the one can be a bitch. But Jared and Drew have perfected the art. So sit back, relax, and trust the dark. It's dark for movie night. What's going on, everyone? I'm Drew. And I'm Jared. And welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the podcast where we put 20 movies on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide. Today we're covering one of the biggest action movies of the 90s and a true shamer of mine as a major fan of the genre. It's John Woo's Face Off starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta. This movie is fucking insane, Jared. That shit insane. And this is definitely one you should be hanging your head on a little bit. I mean, you know, we don't like to shame the shamers on this show, but this is one. When you had told me you hadn't seen it, I was very surprised. This was the period of action movies where I was watching pretty much every one that came out, I feel like. Wow. Um, you know, it, well, I mean, I guess when they were coming out, I was too young to be watching R-rated movies. There's no way my parents would have let me watch this at this point. But, you know, catching up on ones, I mean, there were there were ones from my childhood that I just was like, I'm getting to that as soon as I'm allowed to watch this, you know, and I never clocked this one. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, interest. It's an iconic movie Two, I'd say one iconic action star and, a, and another kind of iconic Hollywood actor type paired together with a movie with a kind of legendary name, sort of like the name to premise ratio is so high in this film. And it definitely is sort of, kind of one of the defining action films of that time period, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's around that time. I mean, I feel this is like around the time Michael Bay is kind of getting to his mm-hmm. peak. This is around the time that like, um, well, we'll, we'll get to like the, the other action movies coming out around this time, I feel like, but, but you know, John Woo is, is a huge name at this point as well. I don't know why it never made it onto my, my radar as in terms of like, I need to see that movie, but it just didn't. I mean, I think like I have a couple of theories and we'll, we'll get to those, uh, when we talk about John Woo and when we talk about, you know, Travolta and, and Nick Cage, but, um, yeah, I'm excited to have finally crossed this off my list. Yeah, you didn't know. Years before we even had the premise for this show, you knew. You're like, I'm I'm saving it for something. I'm saving it for, I, I don't know what, but it's being saved. Yeah. And then we get to talk about it now. So, I mean, I'm certainly glad you didn't get around to it because I definitely think it's a fun choice and a movie that should have a lot to kick around and a lot to talk about. And I'm very curious, too, about your reactions to it. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. First, let's do a little board review here. Uh, right now, we're at we have a score of twenty-one to fifteen and a half in favor of myself. I'm on a little two-episode hot streak right now, but you had a two-episode streak before that. Um, a so balanced heater, we call that a balanced heater. It's it's pretty neck and neck right now. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know. It's not a complete shellacking like it was at one point. No. I mean, there was a time where I feel like it wasn't quite double digits, but there was a significant lead that you had acquired. And, you know, it'll be fun if, like, let's say we end this show in 12 years or some crazy number. 
Maybe it'll be like casino odds. We'll just be perfectly level. Maybe it'll be lopsided. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, maybe it'll be like Clemson, uh, South Carolina, where it's entirely lopsided on Clemson's favor. You know, <laughs> just, just, just to just throw some that knife in. Yeah. Hey, listeners out there, guess where Drew went to school? Hey. Hey. All right. Well, let's do a little board review here of the current board. Right now, at number one, we've got You Can Count On Me. At number two, Ex Machina. At number three, The Right Stuff. At number four, The Big Sleep. Number five, Operation Condor, number six, Anomalisa, number seven, Amadeus, number eight, Pi, number nine, Days of Heaven, number 10, The Limey, number 11, The Hateful Eight, number 12, The Straight Story, number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, number 14, Schindler's List, number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, number 16, Dirty Harry, number 17, The Blair Witch Project, number 18, Waking Life, number 19, tonight's episode, Face Off, and at number 20, The Terminator. Oof. Maybe. Maybe your finest reading yet. That pretty was clean. perfect. That was clean, elegant, articulate. I Maybe feel like I stumbled a right little bit on right Anomalisa, but that was the only minor no. stumble. And it was just enough to make it feel organic. You know, this isn't movie phone. How's that for a current current <laughs> reference? All right. Should, should I be talking now? Where are we? <laughs> Why don't you give us a streaming check there, Jerry? Streaming check. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So... As mentioned, the iconic face-off is tonight's film. At time of recording, it's available uh, with subscription, free of charge, to Amazon Prime and Paramount Plus, kind of the slumbering titan of the streaming industry, I feel. And then there's another... Yeah, Strikes again. Dude, it's the red states (laughs) holding that one down for sure. Uh, And then there's a lot of other spots, your usual suspects, where you can pay to rent, so kicking a couple of bucks if you don't have paramount plus or amazon prime but should not be a hard movie to find this was uh maybe not meteoric in its impact but it is not small we touched on it a tiny bit drew how this is like a a shamer of yours so leads me to the general question how did this get on the board and more importantly how do you think It was that you missed this one. Well, the second part of that question is probably the more interesting part because I don't really have a good impetus for why this went on the board other than it's a filmmaker that I feel like I'm underviewed on and it's a movie that I feel like I should have seen, again, given like the fact that I love action movies. Um, It was just one of those that you had brought up in a conversation at some point on one of these. You know, I don't remember if it was a pre-show or an episode, but you had brought it up and it and it jogged my memory. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I haven't seen that. And you know, not to say that I don't, because because this is probably an important part to bring into it, which is that when it comes to my John Woo viewing history, the only ones I've seen are the bad ones, which is Mission Impossible Two and Wind Talkers, which are both atrocious movies. Oh my God, I did not know he was involved in Wind Talkers. Yes, he's the director of that. Um, Which makes a lot more sense in hindsight once you see this movie. Yeah. Did you know how bad a movie has to be if you're watching it in the seventh grade and you're like, this movie sucks? No, that's my point. it's a war movie? You, You know what the thing is with that movie? That is the movie that made me realize movies can be bad. (laughs) <laughs> it's like you see you had jurassic park which introduced you to what a film could be and then you had wind talkers which introduced you to what a film could be yeah i watched it and i was like oh maybe i don't like all movies 
Yeah. Oh, maybe there are some rotten apples in the crate. Yeah. I mean, I, at, at the time that Wind Talkers came out, I was so obsessed with war movies. I yeah, was super me into too. We Were Soldiers. I think the whole country was in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was right after Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. And and in the wake, too, of of 9-11. So maybe like patriotism was was just kind of running high no in the doubt. nation. And and again, I, I stand by I would imagine they don't hold up quite as well as my memory, but I stand by movies like We Were Soldiers and Black Hawk Down and things like that. Saving Private Ryan does not need any standing by. That movie's incredible by pretty much every measure. But I could see other ones being cheesy. But Wind Talkers, in the heat of my war film fever, I was like, this is a fucking dog. This is a terrible movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was uh, the first movie I truly was like, I don't I don't like that. So anyway. That's so funny. Really Introduced fun. you to the possibility of bad movies. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like why this movie missed me, I, I, so there, going back to my thing about like, I think I have a couple of theories. One of them is the fact that I had a negative impression of John Woo from only having seen those movies. Right. Because I was like, this is like a bunch of style, but not style that's particularly beautiful to me. Um, mm-hmm. Not to mention like all the dialogue is super cheesy and, and doesn't feel natural whatsoever. Uh, all these characters are are one dimensional and 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 just boring, like like that's the vibe I got from Mission Impossible Two and from uh, Wind Talkers. And I should be clear, Mission Impossible is my favorite movie series of all time. That's the only one in the series that I think is bad. Yeah, I think two might be the only one in the series that I've only seen once, which speaks, which says something. Dude, you know? I tried to rewatch it and I had to punt after an hour and a half. I, it's a two and a half hour movie that does not justify that runtime in any way. I remember two things about it specifically. I remember the climbing sequence in the beginning and thinking that was cool because I have somewhat of a fear of heights. So it kind of played into that and was exciting. It's a good to me. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Good sequence. And then there was like the motorcycle shit with doves and i was just like this is stupid and those are the only only things i remember about it it's everything that works in this movie does not work in that movie you know yeah yeah um but we'll get to to this movie exactly like in in terms of general reactions but point is like i didn't have a good impression of them i i also was not at, at you know i think i really discovered nick cage late in life. I didn't watch Con Air when I was a kid. I saw that later. Um, I didn't watch any, any of his eighties output or like, you know, the truly like absurd Nick Cage stuff, like, or the like really good stuff, like leaving Las Vegas or like, uh, adaptation. Like I didn't see any of that until like college age, you know, face off, I think is a, one of those movies that if you're in a film snobby age, you might not totally appreciate like everything fun that's great about this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes a level of like being willing to, you know, we've talked about like cartoon logic and stuff in movies and like just accepting that like this movie is going to be fucking weird and it's going to do weird shit. And like, it's not going to be representative of the reality you are experiencing, but it's going to be heightened and fun and crazy. And like, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think at, at, at college age, I just wasn't in the mode of like, I need to seek that out, you know, even though yeah. it is fun. Yeah, dude, honestly, I think I had a similar arc of my movie fandom. And I think we've touched on this in the past as well. But like, 
I think everyone goes through everyone who falls in love with movies goes through that phase where they just get a little bit snobby and they're like, everything needs to be like kind of citizen Kane serious or that's not really a good way of putting it. But you know what I mean? You go, you get, you get snobby is the well, perfect word. Dude, I was, this was, you know, the time I was getting into Nick Cage and like I was, um, uh, you know, I had seen Pulp Fiction in high school, but rewatching it in college, I got to watch it in a whole new lens, you know? Um, the other part of it is like I was a film studies minor at the time. So I was watching all these like art films and like, mm -hmm. you know, I was taking a sexuality and cinema class and stuff like that. And like right. when you're watching a lot of that stuff and like you're getting into classic film and you're, you know, watching Rosemary's Baby and like shit like that, like I just was in a headspace where I was like, this mm -hmm. is film. Like this is art, yeah. you know? Dude, I think that's the perfect way to put it because I took some some classes in college that were in the film study kind of genre, you know, and in high school too. And you see a film like Chinatown, you see a film like Citizen Kane, you see a film like um, Do the Right Thing, and you think like, oh, these are films. And when you're in that headspace too much, you could see a, a silly, fun action movie and be like, that's fine and all, but it's not a film. It's not yeah. It's not a film. I was also and, it's, really... and I'm so glad I grew out of that because that's just such a well, silly I way think, to look at I things. I think everyone goes through that phase, but I'm totally. most certainly not in, in that phase anymore um, in terms of like, I, I, I still like that stuff. I still love digging into that stuff, but um, it doesn't prevent me from enjoying stuff like Speed Racer, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like I'm definitely at a point in my life, just like you're saying, I can love those deep thinkers, dark films, but this seeing something be goofy and fun, as long as it strikes me as being real and fun to me as well, that is that is no lesser an experience than than something like a Godfather or whatever you'd want to say. Yeah. Anyway, the point is like I I just. It, it for some reason just missed me, you know, like, and, and I'm glad, uh, you know, I got the impetus to watch it now. Yeah. You know, I wanted to circle back a little bit when you talked about what we might, we might have stumbled on a new category here, which is like the hidden shamer, which is, it takes someone bringing it up in conversation to remind you that you haven't seen it, you know, cause it's like, like E.T., and the sixth sense are movies that I have never forgotten that I have not seen. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like branded on my soul. I know it's like, Oh, it's just, just talked about so much and someone's going to bring it up. And I'm going to, they're going to make that face face off. Is not really one of those? I think it's one that's like, you know, you need someone saying the name to have it bubble up into consciousness. It's like, Oh shit. I never did see that. Well, here's a question for you. I mean, you seem to have a very strong reaction to me not having seen it. What in your mind makes this such a shamer within the genre? I don't know because because we were born we were born at such a similar time and we we have a lot of commonality of like big impact movies and right around ninety seven to two thousand one like you were saying was the age where a lot of like dudes our age and anyone our age kind of got super interested in action films and this was one that has such a juicy premise and. You know, I wouldn't say it was like Pulp Fiction. Not to say that Pulp Fiction's an action movie, but it's a movie that when it hit my age group and we when we got to it, it was like, drop everything, you have to see this. Like, Face Off was not in that league, but it was very much in the rotation of like, hanging out with the dudes, 
throw something fun on. And it was just in that sort of culture. And I'm, I'm surprised that it wasn't sort of included in your sort of like pre-drinking high school hangouts. You know what I mean? Like when, when well, I didn't I throw, have many of those. On. I didn't start drinking until the summer, like before my senior year of high school. So. No, me too. No, no. When I say pre-drinking, I mean before the time of drinking. Oh, like me, oh like, I see what you're saying. Like when I was like 16, 17, 15 in that range, like me and my friends would would get together at somebody's house and we'd play poker and we'd throw a movie on and we'd like kind of shoot the shit and you know, we'd all just crash on the floor and it was like, but action movies were such a, a component of those hangouts in high school. That I definitely had one. plenty of those. I just, mm-hmm. I, this never made it into that rotation for some reason for yeah, us. And I, mean, I, I distinctly remember watching a lot of Tarantino, watching a lot of like older stuff, like, you know, Scarface and like, you know, Boondock mm-hmm. Saints and, uh, you know, Saints. like, like, I don't know, like uh, th- those were kind of like, some of the ones I distinctly remember watching as kids. It, it, I mean, we didn't really watch good shit. Like it was a lot of no. bad movies. Yeah, um, but like kind of on the uh, more on the fun scale. But like the we more were sort of talking about. Yeah, but I I found that with my groups of friends, the stuff we more often watch, like Danny, my good friend, who will probably at some point come on the podcast, I would guess, because he he's a big movie guy, and he would he's mentioned he would like to come on at some point. He was like my action movie friend. Like right. me and him and his dad, like when we were growing up and when we weren't drinking, would just like watch like stuff like Kill Bill and like um we I remember we watched the original Highlander. That was super fucking fun. Uh like old Bond movies and stuff. Like like that was like our rotation with that. But my other friends were mostly comedies. Like we watched every fucking comedy that came out. Every one. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. from from like Dumb and Dumber on that like movies from the mid nineties through the early two thousands, I have seen every single comedy that came out. I've yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, my, my action movie compatriots were more, um, my friend Grant, who I mentioned on the show, he's introduced me to a ton of stuff and my buddy, Brendan. And like you and I, we share something in common where we don't have an older brother. Um, I have an older sister who has introduced me to a lot of great shit in my life, a lot of great movies and TV shows and things. But when it's not like a kind of traditional dude who's like into like sort of action movies, you got to find dude, traditional dude. You got to find like a friend who will introduce you to those things. And Grant was my buddy who introduced me to sort of eastern action cinema like jackie chan and a lot of other things including the matrix and things and then brendan was my guy who got me into american action films he introduced me to like true lies and things like that and they were they were just were i would say for me it was more action over comedy that was like in the high school hangs and in the mix and uh so just maybe that's probably why I have missed a lot of iconic comedy films, but not as many action movies. And and I think for you, maybe the percentage is like flipped a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is maybe. Um, like I've never seen the entirety of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. What? Yeah. It's one of my, Voices I've seen like bits out, and pieces Dan. here and there. Like I've seen some, um, I don't think I've seen the mask in one shoot. Like I have a lot of sort of big time comedy shamers because my group was more into action films. You got a lot to watch then, man. Cause there's, there's some sure. really good shit back then. Um, yeah. we'll have to, you know, you put big daddy on at one point. Yeah. I would love to it's see like you put another, another like, but, but maybe a better 
comedy from that era. I have been flirting with for a long time, and everyone I've told is like, drop everything, put it on the board now. And that's Wayne's World. That's that's another iconic comedy Ooh. film that I have never seen. I've definitely seen it. It's been a long time, and I remember liking it, but feeling like it maybe was a tad overrated. But I don't know. See, that's that's what I get the vibe of from afar. Is like, is this going to hold up? Because I have seen the sketches from SNL, and I've never found them to be that funny. But everyone I've told, again, it's biased due to our age range. And they all saw it when they were 15, 16, 17 or whatever. They're like, oh, no, oh, no, it's going to hold up. It's going to hold up. It's like, well, we'll see. I, I have I have a little bit of a pause there. Well, that's I, I would anyway. I would be interested to, to yeah. rewatch that one. So cool. Yeah, it'll be it'll about. get up there one day for sure. So since you had never seen this before. What were your first thoughts of seeing this film and. Did you have any baggage with it? Did I mean the premise is unavoidable, I suppose, but how much did you know about it before firing it up this week for this for this show? I mean, I knew that it was gonna be pretty absurd in a lot of ways. I knew it was gonna be heightened action, you know. I've seen the the Nick Cage in, in the priest outfit dancing at the beginning of it. Like I've I've seen that before. Um so I know the the overall energy of the movie. But, you know, I think watching it for the first time in full, I was immediately in. Like, the the plane chase with the helicopter, I immediately knew what I was going to get from this movie, which was going to be some of the most insane action ever put to film. Completely absurd characters and an incredible acting challenge for Nick Cage and John Travolta to, like, play each other. I knew I knew it was going to be interesting on on multiple levels in that way and it exceeded all expectations. <laughs> it's it's definitely as good as as people say it is and I had a fucking blast with this movie. So you just loved it. You fucking loved it. Yeah, it's like look, when it comes to mid-90s action this is like this is everything you could want from from that, you know? It's absurd, it's stupid. I have I have a couple of gripes with it in terms of just like stuff they do that I'm like why why did you even do that, <laughs> um, but at the same time like it is such a blast to watch and all of the action is truly fucking awesome like really fucking well done. Um, there's some stuff in it that is like on the level of what they're doing in Mission Impossible now in my opinion like really intense awesome action uh, done practically which is what I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so over the top. Like that to me is the is the is the word of the film, so to speak. Yeah, it's just so big. It it is so, pretty much untethered from reality to a degree. Oh, a hundred percent. It's funny. We've seen Nick Cage walks around of, it without a face at one point. Yeah, we've been uh, we've been on a streak of of movies, kind of playing around in this space for a little while like the fifth element is pretty ridiculous kung fu hustle is of course absurd this is way more grounded than either of those i i i agree yes yes i agree i can't i can't argue with that but it is kind of playing around in a similar sort of unplug don't think too hard disconnect from reality and either have fun with us or don't like it's up to you. Conan the but, Barbarian's another one in that category. Yeah, uh, yeah, great point. So I don't think 
I'd have to look back and remember how these all came on the board, but I don't think they came as part of a cohesive unit. It just so happened that we sort of hit this really fun, quote unquote, chunk. Not that the other movies we've talked about haven't been fun, but like we have had a pretty zany six weeks when you think about it and a pretty absurd six weeks. And I've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. That said, this might be my least favorite of of the movies in that sort of zany genre, which is not to be an aggressive. So, okay, so if you're saying within the four that you referenced, of yeah, Conan, Conan, Kung Fu, and Fifth Element. Fifth Element and this. I think it's my, yeah, my bottom of the absurd barrel for okay. this little sector. But not to say it's bad in any way. It's just yeah. my, le- my least, my personal least favorite. Yeah, I mean, if we're ranking those, I would probably put it third in that in that list. I, I think uh, my favorite of those has probably been, honestly, Conan. I had so much fucking dude, fun. Conan with Conan is fucking dope, dude. It's so fun that both of us hadn't seen it. Such a rad movie. I I love that movie, but um, definitely the Fifth Element would be too. I had so much fun with that. Dude, Fifth Element's um, amazing. They're all good. They're all great, you know. And so this just ekes, just barely ekes out Kung Fu Hustle for you. No, I think it's I think it's solidly ahead of Kung Fu Hustle. I mean, I I, oh, I really okay, yeah. I really enjoyed Kung Fu Hustle, but it was more of like a the stuff that I picked up on later rather than what I was watching in the That's movie right. Itself. I forgot that yeah, it was the second viewing that really cemented it. Yeah, so I would rank that not quite as high as some of these others, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was thinking cuz I had seen this this is probably the fourth time I've seen this movie and it's always a film I get confused with The Rock. Whenever Ooh. anyone did, Were there up, parts... I'm sorry, not to interrupt, but no, were no, there no, parts that you were expecting to see that you didn't see? No, I didn't get, I didn't get fooled this time. This okay. time I was, I was sure. I was like, okay, face up. Because I just made the mistake a few years ago where someone was like, oh, I haven't seen Face Off. And I was like, oh, we're watching it, we're watching it. And we start the film and I'm like, oh, fuck, I was thinking about The Rock. <laughs> Like, which to me is the superior action film for in terms of Nick Cage action performances. Um, I, I disagree with that, but yeah, no, it, it's 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 really interesting kind of comparison. But I wanted to kind of kick this around with you for a little while. Um, the idea of the upper pantheon of action films does this breach into that upper? echelon for you and there's there's no it's not a top five it could be any number just whatever comes to mind and if it does what are some of the others that are truly in that these are my handful of favorite action films of all time i don't think it's on the top tier like Mm -hmm. i'd have to i'd have to pull up you know my my letterbox and see kind of what else i have ranked really highly i mean obviously like i'm i'm a massive fan of the mad max series i think all of those, maybe with the exception of the first one, are among my favorite action movies ever. Um, I've mentioned, you know, Mission Impossible. I truly think that Mission Impossible, uh, Fallout, Rogue Nation, and Ghost Protocol are all nearly perfect, if not perfect, action movies. Yeah. I think my favorite of those is probably Ghost Protocol, but they're all they're all sensational. Yeah. Um, 
despite my love of James Bond, I don't really have any of those necessarily in that upper echelon, except maybe uh, Casino Royale, I think is excellent. That movie, that movie you almost can't even classify as a full-blown action movie at certain points yeah. because it spends so much time in the casino. But For I guess, sure. I mean, there's fights in the hallway and shit. So, I mean, it's yeah. an action movie. No, I think I think it's the most action movie in the James Bond universe that I've seen. GoldenEye maybe, gives it a run. Maybe Gold, yeah, maybe some of the Brosmans. That's true. But... Um, because cause for me, there's that that pantheon, and this one doesn't doesn't quite get there. Where I've got, for me, I've got things like Predator, I've mentioned many times on the show. That's my all-timer. And again, that one's interesting because it's twisted up with science fiction, kind of like this one to a degree. Predator's but even amazing. even more so. Um, Point Break is an, is an oh, upper, yeah, upper point, tier. Yep, absolutely. Dude, and Point Break is one that I saw for the first time like four or five years ago. So I always thought, because the, the premise is so silly, and I hadn't completely fallen in love with Keanu Reeves at that point, so I was like, this can't be good. This can't be good. But Catherine Bigelow is so good at embracing the silliness it's, in that film. She plays it straight in the best she, way. And she just like literally has other people in the police agency just like caught like, are you serious? Fucking surfers. Like, so they're just admitting that this is stupid. I love but that movie. So it gets real much. and it gets legit emotional. It's an awesome film. Um, Can I list a couple here? Because I've got please, a couple. Yeah, yeah no. I've yeah, got yeah, a pop them in. Some other favorites. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I think is incredible. Um, the Matrix, obviously. Yeah. Heat. It would be up there for me. Heat, interesting. I, I view that as a drama more, but yeah, I think you're right. No, I, it's I'm not going to nitpick drama. That. No, uh, that's, a fa- that's a fair one. Drunken Master would be another one. Oh my God, Legend of the Drunken Master is on my. That's probably my. Well, yeah, it's up there. But one that I can't believe we haven't listed yet: Terminator Two. Dude, I don't think I've ever seen the entirety of T2. By Get the, way. the fuck out of here! I'm pr- I can't remember. I can't remember if I you, seen the whole thing. You have thing. a plethora of shamers. What are you doing? No, fucking dude, putting I've got stuff so many like, shamers. Uh, uh, no, I'm just saying like these. Oh man, some of the ones you've listed yeah. today, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, dude. I think um, I think a real. I mean, I mentioned earlier too, The Rock. I love The Rock. That's that's one of my favorite cheesy '90s action films. Um, and then. I wonder if it's a bit of a Beatles Stones. I I wonder if there's there's face off people and the rock people. They both got caged, they both came out around the same time. And then a sleeper for me is Bad Boys Two. I, I actually really dig Bad Boys Two. I think it has some of the better action scenes. If you were only judging movie. on action, yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, face off falls a little oh, hold on. short. Can I, I'm sorry. Oh, Can no, I please. give you no, one no. more? Give me as many as you want, man. This is, this is one that's my sleeper since you brought up a sleeper. One that you might not think about because it's a part of another genre entirely as well, but Spider-Man 2 is a perfect movie. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is dope. And, and the totally action is action. incredible. Yeah, dude. I, I often think of even somewhat forgotten about action scenes in the movie like the bank heist that Dr. O- Dr. Octopus pulls off. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great little action sequence. And when he's trying to save his, his, his Aunt May, you know, and all that stuff like that, that, that movie is just perfect. It is. So then there's that kind of lower tier that is still all really solid, really good, but they're just not all time classics to me. And it's I think sort lower of, tier is, is maybe the wrong way to put it. It's yeah, like, maybe it's, it's, it's a step down. It's tier two. 
yeah, it's tier two. Very good, enjoyable. I'm always down to throw it on, but uh, I don't make a noise when someone brings it up, like you know, like I do with some of these others. And that's movies like you actually threw in Con Air, not in this discussion, but you mentioned Con Air earlier as like an earlier action film. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Bourne movies. I kind of put them in that category of like action films that are like they're solid but i really can't stand the way a lot of them are shot shaky camera was just so in vogue at the time and i i really think they overplayed their hand a bit there um but again we're talking good movies that are not bad by any stretch but they're not all-time classics to me and and the distinction with face-off for me is that it goes a few steps too far where I kind of go, eh, that doesn't really make sense, though. And I know it's so silly to critique an action film, an action film on such, you know. You know what you're doing such wrong such an axis. Here. Yeah, it's just like, but it's just something's just like, okay, that's absurd. And well, like, okay, give me an example. Like, this movie has so many times where, like, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta are, like, staring each other down. And they're just not shooting. Like in the church shootout at the end, they like they, they shoot at each other a couple of times. And then they just stop and have a conversation. No one's ducking. No one's covering. And they just both stop shooting at the same time. And there's a lot of like kind of silly little things like that that to me add up where I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I'm, the doves and the, 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 the stopping to shoot to have a conversation. Well, John the, Woo is the, nothing the if diving. not style over substance. Like No, I, I get it. And it's part of the ride. It's part of the experience yeah. with with his style and with his approach to action filmmaking. And I don't want to be a drag on this conversation. but And again, I do not get me wrong. I like this movie. It is a good, f- super fun movie. But these are the elements that prohibit it from being an all-timer for me. And it's just like... And there are parts in it that, in isolation, are untouchable. But for my tastes, a pinch too much salt in this stew, for lack of a better phrase. It's just like a little too much and doesn't ruin it. It's a very edible dish, well, but it's a bit too much for me. If we're talking about like heightened reality action movies, to me, like the pinnacle of that is RoboCop. And this is like a little bit working in the same logical realm as that movie, but it's a, it's, it's a little bit lesser in, in, you know, at what it's trying to do. And so I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to say that this is like an all time masterpiece by any means. It's not in that pantheon for me either, but I think the, the parts that are good in this movie are great. And like the things that it's doing well, I'm all in on it. And, and like, it's one of those movies where it's like I can I can see the flaws and I'm like this is so fucking dumb. But at the same time, it knows what movie it is and it's having fun with that concept. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think this movie takes itself too seriously. You're like I don't care that this is dumb. I don't care that this is silly. Like yeah. I I'm having a good time. And I and I get that. I mean, when the movie starts with a chase scene down a runway between a plane and a helicopter (laughs) and 
Yeah. The first like on-screen kill is Nick Cage shooting a woman in the side and throwing her out of the side of said airplane yeah. onto the mm-hmm. runway. It's a fucking brutal killing, and you're just like, oh, this movie's, number one, not going to pull any punches, but also going to be hilarious and fun, you know? Yeah, and it's just going to be, again, over the top. And it is that, and I don't want it to change. I want it to be what it is. But that is kind of a sort of a, a difference in our takes is like, yeah, it, to me it was a, 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 pinch half, half, a pinch too much. And for you it was just right. The porridge was perfectly temperatured. But that winner's that winner's character really gets a rough go of it. She has to suck Nick Cage's tongue, get pushed around and called a bitch, and then gets shot and thrown out of a plane mid takeoff. Of a moving plane, and just oh my god! And just like you said, this scene is setting the tone, right? She falls to the ground, rolls around, and then they they stop the Humvee, and Travolta runs out and checks on her. And the next thing you know, he's just in a helicopter, <laughs> flying off. And that shot of him just Damn looking it. down. Dude is so, yeah. He's looking at that guy from The Wire who plays Bunny Colvin, and he's just like, "God damn it!" Bud. And then just the look that Travolta has and the way it's shot just makes me laugh out loud. And there's so much of that in this movie, by the way. Of just like, that's just it. The movie is just so going for it. When Travolta gets back to the FBI office and they're like clapping for him, and then he has that breakdown where he's like talking about all the people that died, and like. He he goes to eleven with that reaction. Like yeah. I mean, you know, Nick Cage is obviously the most absurd in the first part of this movie, but mm-hmm. Travolta is still dialed the fuck up for sure. And I actually will say, I really dig that champagne scene where he's saying like, "Let's let's have one for Hernandez and for and for Chawalski or whoever, whatever the fucking names are." And it's just like. I, I actually think like that's some of his best work in the movie when he's playing just that first less complicated side of himself. It's hard to we're going to be the way to talk about it is so hard because you have to be like, well, it's Nick Cage playing John Travolta or, yeah. or John Travolta playing Nick Cage. Or, Maybe you know. we just do like caster Nick in like Arthur. <laughs> like, I think like, you're overcomplicating it. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I just tied my mind into a pretzel. I would have had to terrible. think about it every time. How about mean Travolta at nice Travolta and <laughs> mean Cage, like nice that. Cage? That's nice and that's dartboard movie night simple, baby. <clears throat> but um, but I actually heard that that whole thing with the champagne was Travolta's idea. Like um, they were just going to have the FBI bring the champagne and he was going to deny it. But he wanted to add that toasting the fallen comrades things because I guess that's something that either this the seals or the marines or some some outfit in the military does mm. and and i i think it was a good idea because i think it does kind of show that the character is not over this sort of like baggage that is still around him about his son's death and everything else and it, it shows a lot about how stern and and kind of unfun this guy is for lack of a better word mm-hmm. um how serious he is is probably the right way to put it um so even though i i can see that that's a pretty big cut in terms of um, how he delivers that scene for me it's not a bridge too far and and i dug it no it's not a bridge too far i had fun with it um it's interesting i mean we, we should talk about travolta here a little bit what's your what's your feeling on travolta in general are you a big fan I wouldn't say big fan. I have a lot of significant gaps in his filmography. 
I have never seen Saturday Night Fever. I've never seen, seen a movie either, in which he dances a lot, and I'm, you know, I feel like I need to outside of Pulp Fiction with this. You haven't seen Grease? Have not seen Grease. No. I mean, again, these are kind of musical leaning films, so my gut is that I'm not going to like them, but that's probably not fair to say. Saturday Night Fever, from what I understand, is a legitimately good movie and uh, way different than you might expect. I'd be down to put it on the board, honestly, because it is a shamer. And, and kind of more to the point, I like Travolta. I like him in everything I've seen him in. And I don't really care for how he's just been kind of mocked for like the last decade. You know, I, it's kind of one of those things, kind of like how I feel about Tom Cruise, is when people just keep sniping and talking shit, I'm kind of like, can everybody shut the fuck up, please? John Travolta's awesome. He has cashed in some great performances. He seems like a nice. Oh enough come guy. on, we can we can talk a little bit of shit about Travolta. He is a weird as fuck dude in recent like years. Yeah, I mean, I guess in so, fun in I, a fun way, like in a lovable yeah. way, but not like like as far as I understand, I I could be wrong. He might be me too. Who knows? But he he seems like he seems like he's just like. A, a little bit of a guy who's been insulated by his fame for so long that he doesn't he doesn't register as a human being when he's being himself anymore. Again, kind of like Cruz, but a little like bit, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah, like an alien but, person. But the thing about Cruz is like he has consin- continued to make excellent movies. So even though the Cruz detractors are still out there and they're still sniping away. Any one of us who are Cruise fans can turn around and is like, well, did you like Top Gun Maverick? Did you like the last Mission Impossible movie? And they have to shut the fuck up because those movies are great. We can't really <laughs> we can't really do that with Travolta as much because he hasn't had a really great role probably with, since like Hairspray, which I haven't seen. But, you know, like he's just been kind of he's been doing these kind of smaller, like self funded action movies and stuff so he's still kind of doing his thing but because he hasn't had a hit in a while it's harder for me to fight back against the haters because he doesn't really have a, a recent treasure in his pocket but i i love travolta well he's kind of really he's been a little bit of a paycheck player recently yeah oh has he like i like do you, i don't know if you have a list in front of you or just on on the dome no what i just i just recently? mean like the movies you're referencing like these ones where you're just like what what are you doing like you're just like this little thing like it's not i don't know he doesn't seem interested at all in like prestige stuff anymore or or he just is not like doing a good job of of sifting through his his offers you know um but i don't know i don't i don't see a lot of like major directors right now clamoring for travolta you know, to get a big later life performance right no. now. And I don't know why. I mean, I, you know I feel what? like he could, he, he could still do it. You know what? The last thing, sorry, not to, not to cut you no. off. The, the thing that I remember him being the best in recently was, um, the people versus OJ Simpson, the FX show. Oh, I didn't know he was. I never even heard of that show. Actually. He is legitimately great in that movie. And it, well, it's, yeah. it plays like a movie. It's a show, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure he's still got his fastball. And it sounds like he was on point in that show. Like, you know what we need? We need... You and I were talking about the Glass Onion in the pre-chat. Uh, at, at the time of recording, it has not come out yet. Neither of us have seen it. But we need someone like Ryan Johnson to to, to bring him into, like, a, a large cast where he's playing a kind of, like, 
a roll similar in size to like one of the Knives Out characters. And just to remind everybody that like, oh, he's awesome, by the way. And like, and, and a filmmaker of that age who would use him with reverence and not in a tongue in cheek way and be like, no, he's legit. He's good. I love this guy. Like, that's what we need. Like we need, we need someone to kind of, you know, jumpstart his career again with just like a, an ensemble cast and he's just crushing it from the bench and then just goes off, walks off set. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that's a nice little reminder about him. But I dig him. My favorite performances, I mean, clearly it's got to be Pulp Fiction based on the ones I've seen. And I actually think he's really good in this. I actually think he's he brings in a great performance. Uh, when he but gets to let loose, he's really fun. Yeah, I mean, he does... Like, the scenes where I roll my eyes at a performance level in this movie, there aren't too many of them, but when they happen, it's always Nick Cage. It's never Travolta. He's he's playing it huge. He's playing it big, and especially when he's in his caster, like bad side. But I never. It never feels like too much to me. I think he's right on the edge, but he's kind of reining it in and doing it right. So that's kind of like my opinion on him in general, and like you know how he is in this movie. What do you think of him as like kind of a, a movie star type? Where do you see him at? Well, I'm a fan. I mean, I I haven't seen a ton of his stuff, but. When we're talking about the best performances I've seen him in, I mean, the one that comes to mind for me is Blowout, the Brian De Palma film from oh, uh, yes, 1981. Yes. Good that call. That movie is amazing, and he is really yeah. great in it. Um, Dude, another one of those movies that I'm surprised that didn't really trickle down to our generation. Like, I had to kind of go out of my way and find it on my own. It's like, why is this not talked about? This movie's fucking dope. Yeah, it's really great. Um, but, I mean, I'm a fan of other stuff like uh, Get Shorty, um, and, and obviously Pulp Fiction. So I, you know, I have a good impression of, of John Travolta. I've seen, you know, for whatever reason, I distinctly remember from my childhood being at a friend's house one time and his parents were watching the movie, Michael, the Nora Ephron movie from 1996, where he plays like an angel coming down to earth to like oh, help yeah. somebody. Um, mm-hmm. it's a terrible movie, but he's weirdly kind of good in it. I don't know. It's kind of fun. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that you know. So he has a he has an interesting '90s. Um, Dude, isn't that so weird? We were talking about action war movies and how like you know they were just all over the place post 9/11 and like you know and what was going on in the '90s with angels? The angels were fucking everywhere. They were in the outfield. They were in America. They were touching people. And then there's Michael. Like, so what was going on? <laughs> With fucking angels. <laughs> they were touching people. Yeah. And then the late nineties, the comets came along. But like like ninety to like ninety-six was Angel Zone. Yeah, you know, you're right. Cause there's also stuff like the family man where there's like implied angels. There's like yep. there's just like yeah, it, it's it's a weird, yep. weird time period that yeah, was weirdly Christian focused. Yeah. It was just very there was like a spiritual desire or maybe in a wanting to attach to i don't i don't know but there was something going on because people were cashing in on it something was in the water and then uh you know travolta kicked off his 2000s with battlefield earth and all of that went away yeah and then he's have you seen battlefield earth or it's atrocious yeah i've is seen it, that and i've seen lucky shit? numbers which is another nora efron movie that came out in 2000 with um uh what's uh, lisa kudrow uh, and that movie is also fucking awful. And yeah, it's just, 
he had a real rough go uh, from that point forward, pretty much. Because then you got, I mean, like Swordfish, I guess, is okay. Ooh, I, I like Swordfish. That's in this tier of uh, maybe a half step below Face Off for me. Then but has, I, I do like Swordfish. Then he has Basic, and then he plays the bad guy in the Punisher movie. Um, and I think, I mean, from the, he does a remake to Get Shorty in 2005 called Be Cool, which I actually remember seeing in theaters. And Dude. it's a, not a good movie. Punisher, when I was in like late high school, college, I was really into that film. It was before Marvel was played out. And I just thought it was just a dope movie. I, I like Thomas Jane a lot. And um, yeah, it was just, it, I don't know if it would hold up. And I feel the same way about Basic. When you said it, I was like, oh shit, I remember that movie. That's like the military investigation Correct. film, right? Yeah, it's got Samuel I, I really Jackson dug it. in it. Yeah. It's a John. Yeah, I, well, that's a John McTiernan movie, so that one, that's mm-hmm. actually a decent one. That's probably the yeah. best of that that run. I mean, this is obviously a movie about people facing off. I don't know if you if you notice that subtlety in the title, but we can't talk about the yin without the yang. What do you think of Nick Cage in this performance, and what do you think of Nick Cage in general? I'm a, I'm a huge fan in general. I've been a fan ever since I saw Adaptation. That movie blew my mind, and his performance in it is immaculate. I love that he can swing so wildly from that to stuff like this, where he's just off the wall insane, you know, doing this operatic, you know, expressionistic acting, as he calls it. I love that he is such a fearless actor, and you watch him on screen, and no matter what he's doing, even if you can point to it and be like, that makes no goddamn sense, it's compelling. So I'm a huge fan of him. I've been a fan of him for a long time, and I'm I'm glad to have seen this now because, you know, he, he mentions in one of the making of documentaries that this, to, in terms of his performances, he feels like is closest to what he was doing, at least when he's playing Castor Troy. Um it's the closest to like Vampire's Kiss that he has in his filmography, and I and I agree with that. Which, if you Meaning haven't seen big. Vampire's Kiss, just it's the biggest of all performances, maybe in any movie ever. In this movie, I, I I just love it. I love everything that he's doing. Like again, like it's that expressionistic operatic performing that is just so absurd that you can't help but feel like I don't know. It's just endearing. It's it's yeah. fun, and well, especially. Uh, yeah. Especially in the caster side of it, mean, mean, mean Cage. Well, and then I, and then when he's playing Sean Archer, I I really like that performance too. I think generally speaking, the dramatic stuff pretty much works. You know, I mean, it's it's still like at a heightened level. It's not like, you know, it, it's it's very theatrical in the way that they play it out. Um, but I think you know some of his stuff with Joan Allen is really good, and like it's you know. It fits with the rest of the movie. It's it's wild. It's over the top, but it, it works. Yeah. Dude, one of the writers brought up in the commentary a good point that I hadn't thought of where they said, you know, when you think about it, Travolta's playing two characters and Cage is actually playing three. So Travolta is playing nice Travolta, mean Travolta. Yeah. Cage is playing mean Cage... And then there's Nice Cage, but there's a cage in the middle, which is the cage when he's in prison and he's at the hideout. Nice trying which to be is mean. Nice trying to show mean Cage. Yes. And so it is, you know, you could definitely poke fun at some of the swings he makes in this film, and I will do that <laughs> when it gets to my opinion on him. But it is a very uh, 
difficult performance and it's easy to write it off because of how big he goes for it like you're saying operatic but it's it's it kind of the movie kind of needs that sort of bigness and it's a really difficult performance when you boil it down to pull yeah. off well to to your point i think by going so big with it and swinging so wildly between those extremes I think the benefit of that is you immediately know what character he's playing at every moment. And like they're distinct characters, you know, um, one could argue that he doesn't need to swing quite so wildly, but you know, I think the effect works. Yeah. And, you can um, always, you can always see what's as the audience. We can always see which one is behind his eyes. Right. It's hard to do. No, it is. It is. Um, and I think he sells a lot of the action stuff too. I think all of that is fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think we didn't I really think talk about the physicality. Well, and I think when you're establishing a character that's as psychopathic as this, you know, Castor Troy character, like going that big really sells, you know, the fact that he is this insane person who will do anything, you know, and I and I think that that overall serves the character well when you're doing a movie like this. Yeah, I think for the most part, I agree. But what did you think of his performance, and how do you feel in general about Nick Cage? I I like, you know, what we're finding, Drew, is another dartboard movie night therapy session. I'm on the couch here, and it's just like, I guess I just defend actors often. A lot of times I'm just like, I don't like when people talk shit about him. And uh, Nick Cage is another one of those. And again, people don't like aggressively attack Nick Cage. I feel like most no, people like him. No, I think like people him. are mostly in on the joke with him. You know? Yeah, I think he's, that's a, he's, the thing. he's very self-aware. In on the joke. And I really, really love... As far as this can go, anyway, the subtle Nick Cage. Like, recently, maybe three, four years ago, Pig was all the rage. That was actually just last year. Yeah. Oh, that was last year? Shit. The pandemic has stretched and warped time in my mind as it has for <laughs> us all. But um, I like, I was like, holy Pig is shit. Excellent. I, I love what he's doing in this movie. It's small, it's, it's simple. And we don't get to see a ton of Nick Cage like that. Other performances of his that I liked that are popping in my head and I can barely remember are things like Matchstick Men. I remember liking that when that came out. I do like him a lot in The Rock. For me, that's the perfect amplified cage. Like That's the right amount of voltage flowing through his body in terms of like me digging it. And like this one for me is in some scenes a bit too much, but I do cut him a lot of slack because he is clearly trying to define the differences between the three chapters of his physical body in this movie. And if he does it too subtly, it doesn't really come across. So I'd rather it be too much than not enough in a lot of ways in this film. But thinking about Cage and like Travolta, I have a lot of blind spots in his filmography. Some that um, I, I really want to put on the board soon. In the next couple of weeks, I think I'm going to be throwing a cage medium cut to deep cut. That's just something I've always wanted to get around to because I do like him a lot as an actor and I think he's legit good. It's kind of, like I said, it's easy for people to kind of poke fun at him a little bit, but I really like him. That said, there are a couple of scenes in this movie where I'm like, okay, dude, you're going too, you're going too cagey. You're going well, too let's big go here. With, let's go into just a general gripe session because I have I have one gripe that I want to bring up, but you go ahead with uh, with your Nick Cage gripes first. Very early on in the film, movie is establishing whether or not you're going to play along, and I get it. We're dealing with 
pretty much a fantasy action sci-fi film here. I get it. Dude plants a bomb in wherever the fuck it was, LA, it was the Convention, LA Convention Center. Center yeah. yeah, a heavily populated, monitored and secured building. And then he walks out in front of this gospel choir, starts headbanging, swings behind one of the church ladies and borderline molests her. Borderline? Well, she seems into it, but based on how it's shot. That's not not how molestation works, my man. Well, she's smiling. So I don't know. The the movie does make, it still is just like, shouldn't you be a little subtle here? Like you just planted a bomb. Shouldn't you be, you're you're in disguise. And I get it. They're trying to show. He's crazy. a A stripe of this character. He does not give a fuck. He is reckless. He is arrogant. He is Why is he dressed as a priest? Beyond forthcoming. Yeah. Uh, well, that's got to be Why just is the gospel symbolism. choir there? Who cares? That, that has to all just be symbolic because they have their showdown in the church close to the end of the film. And I don't know. It seems like it's important to John Woo to have this sort of religious imagery throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's just still like, I, I again, I get it's in this guy's nature and we're trying to be introduced to who this guy is quickly and efficiently. But after you plant a bomb, maybe don't headbang and try to neck with someone in a choir in the middle of a group of people if you're trying to be like incognito and subtle. So it's things like that. Where I'm just like, this is just too much cage, man. That, that's one of my gripes. That just, is that not yours? You have a different one? No, that doesn't bother me whatsoever. Yeah. I you want, were down with give, that? Give me all of that. Yeah. Cage, headbanging. And, Go yeah, as yeah, weird see, with it as you possibly can. Slight too much logic flaw for me there, but that, whatever. How do you whatever. feel about the doves in the and like the final scene? Because that's a John Woo trademark. I go back and forth on the doves. Part of me thinks like this is just so stupid. It doesn't make sense. Then there's this other but it looks voice. Fucking cool. That's all he cares about. Yeah, there's this other voice. That's they just do like, little just... like pirouettes when they're shooting yeah. for no reason. Well, I know it's like again. That's, this is the this is the war I have within myself in this movie. That other action movies don't make me do so much. Where part of me has been like, that's just so stupid. And the other part is like, quit being a bitch and have fun. All right? Just calm down. Calm down. You know what I mean? So it's like it's like back and forth. Did you do you, wait, wait. You don't have a dove gripe, do you? You dig no, the I doves? I have no dove gripes. Give me the give me all the doves. More doves? You would you do were you looking for a couple more doves in the same shot or in a different shot? New doves. I, this movie is dialed perfectly in terms of the excess for me. No, there's a there's the perfect amount of doves. Yeah, perfect amount of doves. Perfect well, amount of exploding plaster walls and, you know, yeah. sparks flying. Sparks and, and uh, everything blows up, everything explodes, everything yeah. just goes off. The only thing, okay, the only thing in terms of, if we're going to talk about, like, problems with excess, I guess my only gripe there is there's too much slow-mo. Really? Okay, that was something I didn't that didn't bother me. I dug yeah. the slow mo. No, I mean I I like a lot of it. Like it looks great, but I just I wanted a little bit less of it. I want a little more. Like because I I love when a camera just like pans across a room and things are exploding in in real time, like like moving quick. Um, like I think that looks so fucking awesome in in action movies when they do that. And in this movie, he too often is doing that in slow motion. Like, and and I know why he's doing it because he's like loaded this room with so many things that explode and throw paper and you know chips of stuff everywhere. Like that's cool and it looks good on film. And like you showcase that with slow mo. I just think, you know, 
again, it's like, this is why it's a weird gripe to have because I'm arguing with excess in a movie that's defined by yeah. excess. But and like, you you risk going after his style too, just like I was with the Doves. That's you know? the only that's one. A, that's, that's the only staple. part of it that just doesn't agree with me because I love watching action done really well in full speed. Like that's why I love the John Wick movies. Those movies never do slow motion. It's all just like showing how powerful and fast these guys are. Yeah, the only time they slow something down in a Jackie Chan film is to, when he's doing a death-defying stunt. Exactly. And they want to take your time to see what's going on. That, But in terms of the actual combat, I agree with you. And it's it's always, it, it's not sped up, but it's designed to show you just how fast these moves are taking place. Right. So I think that's a fair gripe, but honestly one I didn't share. Like I that's never fair. felt like, as excessive as this movie is, the... Uh, the John Wooiness of it never really, never really bothered me. And no, that's um, fair. yeah, my real gripe with this movie is the voice chip, and I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> it doesn't need to be there. They specifically, well, I mean, I, I, I wanted an explanation for how they could sound the same. I did want that. One thing that I, I <laughs> do they did they do a penis swap on them because Joan Allen apparently oh. had sex with him and didn't notice the difference at that Dude. point. Excellent point. We may have found one of the difficult, the old hard to find plot hole in the movie Face Off. I think you got to I didn't think of that one. The old cop that is swap. um, what's the word I want to use? That's a juicy pull. True. Oof. <laughs> God damn it! But the 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 voice box thing is what kind of gets me because they specifically when they're setting it up point out that. Even a, a minor sneeze could dislodge this thing and make it not work. Yet that never comes into play when he's trying to convince Joan Allen that he's himself. Like, just fucking punch yourself in the throat and and talk like yourself, and you can like really fuck with her head at that point if you need to like get her get across to her. I wanted to. Cl I want to clarify. The chip needs to be in the film because yes. we do need. We I do want need that the explanation. We need the explanation of the voice. That part I fully agree with. What we don't need is this mention Chekhov's gun plant of, oh, it's very fragile. It's Just awesome. Just don't set it up. But it's fragile. I actually think the guy says it's fantastic, but you have to be careful. Great line of dialogue right there. But the only time it comes up in the film is at the very end where they're wrestling and trying to talk the daughter into who to shoot. And that's the only time... The voice comes through and he's like, listen to my voice. Cause that's, that's when the chip breaks. It's like, we didn't, we didn't need that. We, so we're told it's fragile. The guy gets in a fucking prison riot, does all sorts of action scenes going on. Nothing dislodges it. Literally jumps make, like 30 stories off the top of that goddamn oil yeah. de Derek. And you add the point that I hadn't thought of, which is like, why wouldn't he just try to disrupt it when he's going to talk to his wife? And again, like, the the planting of that seed was not worth it. And it. The movie would have been better if they'd been like, "Oh, it's indestructible. You don't have to worry about it." Like it's just, it's just it's dumb. Well, it's one of those things where the movie just is like, "Just do less. You 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 had this. This is fine. You didn't need this." You know, it kind of in the same vein of that. Like I, I felt like they could have done less of the Travolta as Caster Troy trying to like integrate into this family and like be successful normally. Like I, it made no sense to me why that character would 
pursue being the head of the FBI. Like, you know, dude, I actually think like there's a part of mean Travolta that wants to fully destroy nice Travolta to the point of making the family like him more than they liked nice Travolta. Like, I think he kind of, he gets he's so sick. Kind of yeah. He like wants to like salt the earth. You know what I mean? Like sure. he wants to, which is why he's so, and, and I think it's twofold. One of the things is he's trying to improve his chances of his, of the family not being suspicious. So, you know, for towards his cover, that's goal one. But I think it is more that second goal of like, he wants to pull nice Travolta out root and stem and almost like Stalin, like blot him from the records. You know what I mean? And it just seems kind of, that would be something that would be in line with his character. Sure. Um, I do, I do kind of like, I do think that's uh, one of the scenes, one of the strings of scenes anyway, where the movie has a lot of fun outside of the action realm. I mean, the movie actually has fun in every direction. What am I talking about? But I really, I really like those scenes of, of like, Cool, sleazy, creepy Travolta smoking in the house, serpenting and snaking around and giving his daughter a knife and all this sort of shit. Like, I like those those scenes. I think they add they add a fun dimension to the movie. It's fine. I, I mean, it's where the movie wanted to go with it. It's just those scenes for me, I felt like were maybe slowing the movie down at a point where I didn't think it needed to because it's a two hour, like 10 minute movie or something. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Did you have any other gripes about Cage? Or you're just, you're full on, you're full on the Cage Express. I'm good with Cage in this movie. I don't really have many gripes, but I guess the only other gripe involving Nick Cage is it doesn't make any sense to me why when Travolta comes back to his family at the end of the movie, why doesn't he still have Nick Cage's hair? He couldn't grow his hair out in that time. Did they just Wig. give him hair plugs to replace all of his hair? Wig. They wigged them. One of those Hollywood wigs. Just to not fuck with their brains. That's a good that's a good point. He had a different hairline. (laughs) Yeah, for their sake, let's not give them the Castor Troy haircut. Let's just do something temporarily, toupee, something. I also just think it would have been really funny if at the end Travolta has Nick Cage's hairline. I also think it'd be really funny if uh, at the end of the movie as he's walking through the smoke machine and getting ready to enter the house. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like a kiss concert. Yeah, and he, he like breaches through the doorway and he's like, I decided to keep the cage face. And he's like, still got Nicholas's <laughs> cage face. <laughs> Surprise. But, Surprise. Gives him the crazy look. Oh, man. Um, no, that's, that's, my, yeah. that's my gripe session. Did you have any yeah. others you wanted to oh, add on? Oh, man, I got a field of gripes. I, I, um, most you're, you're of them. You're picking gripes? Really, picking gripes a little. I mean, <laughs> the other one is like that. That scene after the surgery takes place uh, where the faces are swapped and and nice cage wakes up for the first time. Yeah. And he's just looking at himself in the mirror and then he just takes that thing and smashes at the mirror and he's just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. It's just so silly, man. I'm just watching. It's like that is just so over the top and I did, yeah. just didn't buy it. And, you know, it's supposed that, to be. Yeah, that that's the that's sort of the the gamble, and that's what you sign up for with Cage. My understanding is his approach to acting, based on the things that I've heard, is very loose, and he likes to have a lot of freedom, and he likes to be able to take big chances. And I want him to have those things. And you kind of, 
you, there you win some, you lose some, I think, with him. And and that's just kind of, you know what you, you know that's going to be an element. There is going to be huge, a huge amount of variance in his performance, even within any individual performance. And again, some of those risky, uh, big operatic decisions are going to work and they're, and no one else could do them and others are going to fall on their face. And, you know, that to me was more in the line of the infamous, the bees where he's getting that famous scene in a movie I've never even seen where he's getting attacked by bees and is freaking out. And people always cite it as like one of the basilious scenes in movie history. Like, uh, this is kind of in that pantheon for me. Well, he's breaking the mirror. Well, here's a question for you. In terms of silliest scenes, how did you feel about the scene where they just kept saying the name of the movie over and over again, which apparently was an ad lib on set? Face off brings me to an interesting question, Drew. Ooh. Last week, you and I talked about the movie The Fifth Element. Mm. And this is a little bit, a little bit of a mea copa we're doing halfway through or beyond halfway through the episode. But I want to ask you this. What film do you think mentions its title more in the dialogue of the film? The Fifth Element or Face Off? Well, the answer would have obviously been The Fifth Element until that scene where they do the Face Off bit in this movie. But in that one scene, they peppered in so many times that I wonder if it's Face Off. I think it's close. I think, how, like, if you're going to guess, unless you have it written down, how many times do you think they say it in that scene? I was going to say four or five. Oh, I thought it was like six or seven. You think it's six or seven? Yeah. And I think they say the fifth element maybe like four or five times at most. I don't, they say that a lot, though. Like, think of all the times, like... Uh, I think if you're counting Ian Holm going the... If you're counting all of those as fifth element, then... Great, great, great question. We need that clarification. That is a single fifth element. But we have... I mean, just thinking of that movie, because, again, I've seen the movie like six times in my life, but, like... We've got the guy, the archaeologist at the very beginning. He says, yes. the, around a fifth element, Ian Holm has to say it a minimum of three times. Minimum. Uh, and there's got to be another, like the president probably says it at one point. I don't know. But it's just funny. That's that five we have two, right there. Two, we have two very uh, back-to-back movies that have a lot of self-referential dialogue. And that scene in fucking Face Off is it. So silly, just the repeat face off, and he's doing that thing where he's tissue box pulling his his face away. <laughs> it's just so silly. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It didn't bother me. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I no, but it's a it's a fair question, and I'm glad we were able to address it one, one week after the fifth element. Yeah, yeah, perfect timing. It all worked out. The dart, the dart, mysterious, the dart. All right, move on with your your pick and gripe yeah. sesh, uh, and okay, then we can yeah, make some gripe uh, gripe juice and gripe wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mentioned the fuck you, the fuck you. Um, you, you, you cut me off at the pass with the voice box thing. That 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 was just like its fragility was overcomplicated and unnecessary to the film. This one, I can't, I can't fault the movie too much because. I guess it was budgetary and I guess it was timing that they had to cut this back. But let's, let's take a little side journey here, Drew, and talk about the prison section of this film. Um, I, for one, really love the, the vision of the prison, the design of the prison. I think the, the futuristic magnetic lock-in boots is, is super cool. Like I, I really dig it. And I That's like a great movies. action movie concept. 
yeah, great idea for like a fun twist on the prison thing. And I love a lot of the actors in that. We get a Thomas Jane shows up. Mm-hmm. We get the guy from season two of The Wire who played Frank Sabatka. Um, if any, any Wire fans out there, he shows up. We get the, the continuing terrible performance of Caster Troy's brother. That's another one of my nitpicks. You by don't the way. like Just, that performance? Oh, no, I do. I think that performance stinks. I think it's the only bad performance in the movie, oh, to be fair honest. Enough. A little finger waggle and his little it's just too much. But that's that's within this other that's a Russian doll of of, of wine going on here. And again, I'm talking about things I for the most part I like about the prison. I find that that um, the whole escape sequence is pretty anticlimactic. And I actually kind of wish we got more time in the prison. And I know we already mentioned how the movie does run a bit long. You know, we're talking about an action movie that's two hours and ten minutes. That's that's longer than most action films. But I would have liked another five, ten minutes of despair in the prison. Well, and they, they did tap into that, but like that that world was so cool, and I kind of wish we had hung out there for a beat longer. Well, what's interesting is that in the original conception of this movie, most of it was a prison break movie. Um, they were. They said like one of their major influences was a John Frankenheimer movie called The Birdman of Alcatraz. Um, Frankenheimer is one of my favorites. Birdman is a good movie. Uh, the original actual Birdman, not the the Alejandro Gonzalez Inarritu <laughs> movie, which uh, I would say is great, but you do not dig. Not a fan. Yeah. But I don't know. I disagree with you. I think that the the escape is really fun. I I like that it's like this escalating thing where they're kind of going up levels like to get out of the prison it's got a kind of a Mm -hmm. video gamey structure to it in that way Mm -hmm. um you know i think the reveal of it being on an oil derrick is really cool i like the like you know i think that they're doing world building within a scene and and you know i agree with you like part of me wants to see more of that um I don't I don't lament losing some of that because I love the action scenes we get to after that. Yeah. Well that's that's true, but I think like too, like when like I also like to reveal and I actually had forgot when I again I see this movie multiple times, but I had forgotten that when he pops up and has completed stage two or three of the escape, whatever you would call it, like I was like, Oh shit, he's on an oil like it was a true surprise this go around. But I think the reason I forgot is because the solution to it is so simple. The fact that he just starts getting shot and at, by a helicopter, then jumps off, and it's it's over. And I guess that is what was attacked by the bean counters and the budget people. Is they had this whole sequence of he was going to dive in the water and, and avoid rockets and missiles, and eventually hijack the helicopter himself and the seeds of him knowing how to fly helicopters had been planted in the first scene at the airport. That's what I was thinking when I was watching the scene. I was like expecting him to jump onto the helicopter's like arm and like try to climb up it. Um, and then he just jumps off. And I th- I agree with you. I mean, it's not my favorite action scene by any means in the movie. but and I, And I can see what you're saying. I do think it's a little anticlimactic. Yeah. And again, that's they had grander ambitions and grander ideas that the realities and the constraints of just what is possible in filming and financially didn't let him do it. So I can't, I can't blame him too much for that. They, it wasn't like the story pittered out there. The money did. 
and they weren't able to pull that sequence off. I, it um, would bother me more if that was one of the like major action scenes in the movie, but I feel like it's the fourth or fifth, you know, best one in the movie at that point. So like, I'm okay with it not being the best one. Yeah. The other thing too is that I kind of have beef with in the, within the prison is the solution for the boots is just too simple. Like they have this great setup for like this really cool slowdown and this interesting, fun idea, something I had never seen in a movie. Like, and it looks really cool. It's all pulled off, but the workaround for it is like, Oh, uh, they take them off you before they electroshock you. And that's how you get out of them. It's just like, ah, it's a little lazy. I felt, um, and yeah. I would have liked to have seen, uh, some more trickery in, in terms of getting around it. But no, I think that's I, fair. But I think what you get in, a, in, instead of, cool action that way is uh john woo's wire work uh kind of stunt action which is really cool i mean they, there's a there's some giant leaps that people are taking off of ledges in in this scene um you know using wire work and it looks fucking cool in my opinion yeah 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 that that's true and the shootout that ensues is pretty cool, and we get a lot of those kind of vintage John Woo sparks and stuff too. Um, so there's, there's there's a lot to like in the prison thing, and again, I, the a vision of it I think is so dope. Um, but I just kind of wish they had done a little more with it, but that's okay. There is one other thing in the prison section I wanted to hit on. They use in that sequence an iconic cinema screen. Yes, they do. That I hadn't you I hadn't heard since like South Park episodes. And I was like, oh, my God, they used that scream. We should drop it in right here. Right now, when this guy gets shot in the foot, we're going to use the scream. This is I have I I have only ever heard this scream used in a ton and tongue in cheek way of like over the top big scream. It's called the Howie scream. And the reason it's called the Howie scream is it's it's kind of inaccurately sourced to the film Broken Arrow, which was which was out also by John Woo. It's inaccurately and sourced. So that's how it got its fame because it was uh, it was from Howie Long's death scene in that film, I guess. I don't know if Howie Long <laughs> is the character or no the way. football player. Um, so it says its name originates from Howie Long's Sounds death like scene. like I know what I'm watching tonight. In the 1996 crime film Broken Arrow. However, it was first used in the 1980 drama film The Ninth Configuration. Okay. This is from a very lazy, very simple Google. So grain of salt, typical traditional for dartboard movie night. But uh, I just thought it was so funny. And I was like, oh, that's okay now. Because at first I was like, oh, God, you're going to use that scream? But then when I found out that it was kind of be famous for being a John Woo scream that he used, mm. I was like, oh, then that's fine now. Yeah. Like, I'm game. I'm that's game. Fun. So I, it's fun. And like... You know, there's this fun little side conversation we could have about just famous screams. Obviously, I think the most famous is the Wilhelm scream. Of course. I mean, that is just a scream you keep an ear out for. It's all over the place and got to a point where like filmmakers want to use it for the well, iconicness of it. I think it's less about the filmmakers and actually more about the Foley artists. A lot of sound mm-hmm. engineers love to drop that in because it's like it, it's kind of a legacy thing for them. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, I don't know. I just find like famous streams and movies kind of funny. And if you keep an ear out for them, a certain like three or five will kind of crop up often. And the fucking I'm gonna take Howie note of scream. that in the future, and I'm gonna try and like uh, like come up with a list so we can do a chin wagger yeah, on that for sure. And also, if any listener has the time or feels inclined to email, if there's other iconic cinema screams you know of well, hit us up the the other famous one that's not like one of those repeated ones uh is of course luke finding out about darth vader oh yeah father. oh my no! god no <laughs> jared's all-time like, favorite you know it to be true Big screams in cinema history. But that's it for nitpicks, and I'm excited to, whether through the course of talking about John, John Woo or whatever, there is a ton of shit I love about this movie, too. And I want to make sure we hit some of those when the time comes. Well, I mean, is the time now? Yeah, we can make the time now, sure. Let's talk about the fucking boat chase. Best boat chase ever put to film. Dude, I think easily. Some of the best stunts I've ever seen. Like, Dude. I can't believe they pulled off some of these. The the best one for me has got to be the water skier. That is one of the best stunts I've ever seen in my life, and is going to be on my short list for best of the year for me. It's incredible. It's unreal. And I mean, it I've also, seen, is I've seen a guy shot. barefoot uh, water skiing before. Like, there's a guy that I used to follow on Instagram that does like tons of that stuff. It's you know, it's a it's a skill that people have. So I've seen it done before. But the way that he's doing it on like the side of a boat like that while it's moving and is able to twist himself around and climb up onto the boat mid, you know, ski. And then there's, there's moments where he's like basically almost hanging off the back. We're right where the propeller is. There's like, it's one of the most dangerous stunts I've ever seen. And one of the coolest and most badass dude, it is out of this world. Good. I can't believe they pulled it off. Yeah. Apparently the guy almost died. Oh, tell me about that. What happened there? So I guess when they were doing the stunt, his leg, his left leg almost went under the boat, the Jesus. one that's on the boat side. Yeah. He got injured and it was like kind of just like a very dangerous stunt, obviously, so you can just see on how they do it. It's like the engine's right back there. The boat's right there. It's got to be going 40, 50 miles an hour. The that thing, thing is, is hauling ass. Yeah. Or knots, whatever it would be. But it's just, uh, I guess he, he injured his leg and almost got sucked under the, the boat, his left leg. And he was like, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And like later on that day or the next day, his leg was so swollen that they had to cut his pants off with scissors because they couldn't take his pants off. So it's just like a serious, serious stunt that is perfectly executed, very risky for the stunt person to do, and beautifully shot. What I love about that is there are some cuts that probably had to, they just had to happen due to using different takes. But when this stunt is really at its coolest moment, the camera fucking chills out and just shows you a, a, a physical work of art in a way. Not to overamplify it, but this is a serious talent, someone being able to even do this barefoot water skiing thing, let alone within the safety regulations of what you'd find on a film set and everything else that's going on. And it's just, I can obviously throw a little bit of shade towards this movie about you know John Woo's dialing up things that might be a little beyond, a little too much mustard for me. There are plenty of times in this movie where I, he, I had to shut the fuck up and just be like, that's perfect. That's perfect. You just let the action 
in that moment breathe. And then he goes on to more kinetic cuts here and there. But he has great pacing of when to just take a breath and show you something really fucking cool. And that water ski thing, I think, was a perfect example of that. Well, he does it also when he jumps the boat through the police boat and then has an explosion that throws both the guys off the boat. Like, the all of that looks absolutely incredible. I don't know how they did it. I, I literally, I listened to the commentary today, and they didn't talk about that stunt specifically as they were working through that sequence. But apparently 98% of this movie was practical. Practical effects, which is just, it's a beautiful thing. And it's something we don't get a ton of these days, which is too bad, outside of Top Gun Maverick, of course. But um, just a crazy good scunt. That whole boat jump Well, explosion. and the guy jumps across from one boat to the other. Like, there's, there's some just absolutely insane stuff in that scene. And they, I don't know if it's all John Woo or if his cinematographer deserves a lot of this credit too, but they choose such cool angles at certain points. Like thinking of that boat jump that you're talking about where the, he's going through that explosion and everything, it cuts to a camera that's mounted on the, like the, the bottom of the boat and it's shooting backwards towards what just occurred in, in terms of like linear, linearly. And you see the propeller of the boat mm-hmm. still spinning. So it's just like... That's a fucking great shot. What a great idea to do that there. And then there's like, um, you know, when the boat, this is kind of more more minor, but when the boat kind of goes under the bridge mm-hmm. and it's a very narrow frame of target that it goes through, mm-hmm. the camera for a second just cuts to like a on the boat shot. And to my mind, it's one of the first times we see this specific shot in the entire chase scene. It's perfect for that moment. You feel how tight the beams are beneath the bridge, how much of a needle thread this is. And it's not a long shot, but it, it's it's used so well. Yeah. And it's just like the, the camera placement in that whole sequence is out of this world good. No, it's incredible action filmmaking. It's really, really well done. Um, I mean, I, I feel that way about pretty much all the scenes. I, I love... You know, it's chaotic, but all the gunfight sequences are really well covered as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're silly, but they're cool, and they're they like you're saying they're beautifully covered. You're never confused about what's going on, and and we talk about that a lot in the show of how that's kind of the sign of good direction. It's like how confused am I, and, and, and unless it's supposed, I'm supposed to be confused. But generally, it's like, can I tell what's going on? It's the, the geography answer, of the space that they're like you know where things are and where they're happening in the sequence of events. Yeah, yeah. And you could say the same for talkie scenes in non-action films. That's such an important... It's like, can I figure out what's happening here? Unless you don't want me to. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, he's he's so good at like... At not a single moment in this movie, in these action scenes, did I go, wait, what just happened? No. Which a lot of action films I do that in, by the way. We I, I was talking about the Bourne Supremacy earlier. Yeah. Like there's a lot of those shaky camera things where it's like, did someone just get hit with a seatbelt? What just happened? I, I don't know. None of that here. I'm never like, wait, what? No, absolutely. It's it's uh, really well done and a joy to watch. I mean, all the action in this movie really, really works for me. Yeah, dude, I, I, I totally agree. Just wa- two more shout outs to that boat sequence too real quick. Sure. Um, there's another great camera choice is when, when, well, it's like, you know how they're using two boats? And they both get on one, and the second one kind of continues careening off on its own and slams in inside of that oil tanker and, like, blows up. 
there's such a cool shot from I guess what we could call boat two, which is the boat that escapes that fate of the two, the mean and nice guy are on it. There's just a shot from like the stern of the boat, looking back at the explosion that it's speeding away from locked off just on the boat. Nice patience shot. And it's just so cool. Again, another great example of his ability to find cool and interesting and unique places to place the camera. And then shortly after that, there's probably my second favorite stunt in the sequence, which is the boat slamming into that sort of crossbar and it catapults them, the two guys onto the beach. Crazy. It's, it's crazy stunt. That boat was really flipping behind them, by the way. That's not a special effect. They said in the commentary, the only special effect they did in the scene was ironically a digital face swap over the stuntman. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the boat was on a wire. It wasn't just flying and through like crazy, but it's just such a cool stunt before an explosion. Yes. Very over the top. Yes. That boat probably didn't need to explode, but fuck it, dude. That's, that's when I, I start playing along with this movie is situations like that. Yes. It's like, okay, that didn't need to blow up, but now I'm laughing it looks cool, it's fun, and I'm having a good time. Absolutely. Does now feel like a good time to get into the top roots? Dude, not, now seems like a beautiful time. Has there ever been a time for another edition of Top Roots? For those who have not listened to much of this show before, Top Roots is a segment we do for action movies where we talk about the most brutal kills and, and just generally uh, painful-looking stunts that uh, happen in, in various movies and we we try to decide what is the most brutal yeah so i've got a couple of candidates do you have some you want to start off with do you want to go first well go as i mentioned earlier in the show i didn't like put a list together here oh me neither i'm going straight from the dome too except for two i wrote two down the rest are off the cuff. There, there are a few that i i definitely can think of that uh you know i'll start i'll start with the the honorable mentions here I want to start off with Matt Ross, who is an actor that people would probably know from Silicon Valley. He plays the Google equivalent CEO who's a you know idiot who's basically stolen other people's thunder. Um, really funny character and, and a good actor, uh, but he is briefly in this movie, and he's the guy who uh, is shooting at good Nicolas Cage as he escapes the gun battle that he just had with John Travolta. And he kind of walks up to John Travolta, says something and Travolta caps him in the, in the head. So that, that guy gets it pretty good. That's a brute. That's a brute for sure. I mean, it's, it's simple in this, in this uh, film's kind of style, but it is, it is, it's a barbaric brute for sure. Because at that moment, I think uh, mean Travolta is mourning the death of his brother. And that actor walks up and is like, what are you so sad about? It's just blah, blah, Troy. And that just pushes me Travolta over the edge. It just dome shot straight through the forehead. Brutal. Absolutely. Another one I want to mention uh, is his coworkers getting torched. Oh, by the car? Like outside of the... Uh... No, where they're like, they're sitting on the ground oh, and he lights yes. the, the like oil or whatever. The and it, like... surgical team. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only a... team that knows that he did the surgery. Yeah, that seems like a good way to do a Black Ops mission. Burning Alive is almost certainly the way I would least want to go. That is brutal. A little bit of that, a little bit of that John Woo slow mo in there when the when the gasoline is getting poured. By the way, 
Most movies, when someone's getting doused in gasoline, go slow-mo, with the exception of Reservoir Dogs, as far as I can remember. But a lot of times, they just really, for whatever reason, they want to slow it down there for a little gasoline splish-splash. But let me ask you this about the do- the headshot you mentioned. Oh, yes. Let's go back. Um, does that actor, do you have his name in front of you again? Matt Ross. Does Matt Ross get bonus points for having kind of two brutes? Because he gets that first ear shot off in the beginning of the film, and then he gets shot in the face. Is that is that kind of like, does he get point and a half? Well, certainly shot in the face is worse than shot in the ear. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but let's just, let's just, Matt Ross has been through a lot. That's all I'm saying. Like, Guy gets it pretty bad. Dude, he probably had a new lease on life. He's like, man, that bullet just missed me. Nicked my ear. They fixed it. I'm going to make some changes. And then like four days later, he gets shot in the face. Just tragic. Well, before I move on to, to a couple of my favorites, um, mm-hmm. I want you to, to throw in a couple of your okay. honorable mentions. Okay. One of my, it probably, it was close to my number one, but you mentioned it earlier. So we have to, I have to say it here as well. The FBI agent in the plane. That is a big time top brute. Shot in the back thrown off the plane first viewing this time around i actually thought she might have fallen under the tire didn't see that on the second go for the it was like a dummy you know obviously but um still even without getting run over by airplane tires a brute for sure well and she also is coming straight off of having to suck nick cage's tongue so you know yeah she's having she has a rough day and she got fucking briefcase bashed by the brother too briefcase she, bashed and then shot yeah. in the side where she's almost definitely not dead when she hits the ground a lot of straw on that camel's back <laughs> Poor. Yeah, she, that woman Poor. does not get it easy in this movie yeah that's a that's a that's a rough that's a rough one that's a brute for sure that's a brute. i think one of my candidates that's a little bit of a sleeper i think i would be surprised if this one's on your list and it's the one that probably makes me laugh the most it's the boat owner <laughs> the boat the boat owner of the speedboat that me and Travolta steals. That wasn't on my gets list. Gets completely dusted. Travolta walks up with like a machine gun. And the guy goes, he's sitting on like the edge of the boat. He puts his hands up and he gets lit up with about 15 rounds and gets shot off the boat and into the water. And in terms of it just being a bystander who has no skin in the game, doesn't know who the fuck Caster's Troy is. Doesn't even get a look at his face. Yeah, he was probably just going out for a nice day on the boat and just gets lit up over over the side. And it's just such a brute. It just was the one that made me cackle and it's just like one of the most indulgent in a movie filled with them. But those are the two, and that's gonna be my number one choice. Okay. Is it's, is the boat the boat owner. The boat owner gets fucking lit up. But those are the floor is yours for remaining brutes. Well, Look, if I'm going to argue who gets it the worst, I honestly think Winter's getting knocked out of the plane is probably the worst. Yeah. But two of my favorites that I really want to highlight are, first, Harvey Presnell playing the FBI director, sticking in his ass uh, guy. Oh, yeah. Who gets a karate chop to the back of the neck. And then, uh, what does he do after that? He like pun- he like <laughs> I think palms he him in the him chest. In, yeah, he like he like punches him in the chest really hard to try to get his heart to stop. I don't know if that's how that works, or I don't know. Some of those, some of those on the sly, quote unquote, mean Travolta deaths did not work for me. But that's a brute still. Whether yeah. or not it worked, it's he, a brute. It's that's definitely a brute. And then the one that I think might get uh, might get lost in this conversation. 
Nick Cage getting thrown into the cage, man. Nick Cage in the cage. When he gets he gets shot in the leg or whatever by Travolta in the opening scene, and then Travolta kicks him into the jet, which propels him backwards into the cage. Yes, cage into the cage with jet propulsion. That is a brute for sure. I mean, it I kills was, him. Well, but it puts him in a coma, I guess. But oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that uh, that is just it. Apparently, the writers had to come up with like 20 ideas before they found one that John Woo would like, where they were like, oh, what about if, what if he fell, fell really high? And John Woo was like, no, 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 his bones can't break, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they'd come back, well, what if he's cryogenically frozen? And no, no, no. And they did this, again, a lot. And then they finally landed with, I don't know, what about a jet engine that, yes, that's it. We're doing that. <laughs> It works, man. I mean, after yeah, having seen great. having seen Jackass three, where they use a jet to like throw footballs at each other that like basically can knock them out, like that wow. that thing is powerful. That'll that'll oh, yeah. wreck you. Cage into the cage. So Any you, others? you're going with FBI. Well, no, I think I mean my number one is definitely still winners getting getting just absolutely disrespected by Cage. Yeah, disrespected on the plane, off the plane, tarmac. Brutal. Yeah, I'm going with Boat Guy. Boat Guy is a good boat, selection boat as owner. well. Boat Owner is my number one. Oh, and let's also give one more shout out to Travolta with the spear. Mean Travolta getting the, getting the, getting the what do you call that? Solidly thing? brutal Harpoon. death scene. Yeah. And they had, and also doing some self face carving prior that's, to it. Although, you're right. That's seem like he's doing. He doesn't really know what he's doing with that knife in a way. He's like, oh, you're going to have to use your old, my face. But then he just carves around the outside. <laughs> He's like, like, that's where they're going to cut anyway, bud. Yeah, dude, you're doing, you're giving him a head start on the procedure, man. Shouldn't you go like across the nose or something? Or I don't know. I mean, I've, I've never done that, but it just seems logical to me. Yeah, well, logical to an illogical man. Yeah, and an illogical film to a degree. But again, we're having fun here. We're having, we're having fun, fun here. Well, sessioning off of Top Brutes, I, I did really quickly want to mention just the incredible supporting cast in this movie. Because we've mentioned a couple of them, but this movie is top to bottom one of the most stacked cast I've, I've seen in a movie. Dude, I, I'm so glad when I saw you had written this in, in our notes, and I was like, good, because I really wanted to hit on this too. Yeah, well, Joan Allen is incredible. Like, the next year after this, she should have won the Oscar for Best Actress for Pleasantville. She's incredible in that movie. Um, she's also really good in the Bourne movies, which we've talked a little bit of shit about today, but I actually really like them in general. And... Yes, yeah, so sorry. So she plays the wife, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yep. I didn't recognize her, um, but that was someone my roommate knew. She's like, "Oh, she's from Pleasantville," and I was like, "I don't." I don't she's I've seen that. Incredible in Pleasantville. She plays the mom in, in that. She's kind of the the first one that starts to turn color. Um, Alessandro Nivola, you already uh, disparaged on the show, but I actually really liked him in this. That he plays Pollux, <laughs> the brother. The brother. You liked it? Oh, I, what else has he been in, by the way? Uh, he's in Jurassic Park 3. Um, he was in a movie Oh, recently. the photographer. Yeah, he was the photographer in JP3. Yeah, he's a, he's kind of a character actor that pops up in a lot of stuff. Uh, but he's he's still acting today. And um, I want to say he's got a big role coming up, but I can't remember what it yeah. is. Sorry, I should just say not the photographer, the other archaeologist who has Well, he carries bag. a camera, yeah. Okay, yeah, but he takes pictures, yeah. Yeah. Um, we also get another Dartboard Movie Night alum, Gina Gershon, making yeah. an appearance here. Good How to see her. Was, she was great in this, I thought. She was really soulful. She she played this kind of nice sort of like 
woman you didn't want to cross but heart of gold deep down sort of thing i know that's a cliche for a movie like this but Who i thought also she did is a... somewhat incestuous apparently yeah that how about that kiss at the end of the, of that with her brother like for a second I, I i stand corrected that was one time in the movie where i was like wait what just happened and i was like oh so are they in a relationship did i have that wrong and then later they're like I had to say goodbye to my brother today. And I was like, wow, they really fucked up with that kiss, man. That was just, that was just as unnecessary as the voice box being fragile. Yeah. Really weird. Uh, but anyway, the guy who kisses her, Nick Cassavetes is a, a, a filmmaker and son of John Cassavetes, the guy who made uh killing of a Chinese bookie. Yeah. A lot of fun kind of connections with our board here. Also just wanted to give a quick shout out to, to, to Gina. Apparently, John Woo had seen her in Bound and really liked her in that. Nice. So that was one of the one of the things that led to her be making this film or being involved in it, which is cool. Nick Cassavetes is not really a filmmaker or, or actor that I uh, particularly like gravitate towards, but I thought he was fun in this movie. Enjoyed him. Um, mentioned Harvey Presnell in the top root section. He's just a fun kind of guy I remember from a lot of movies in the 90s just playing this crotchety old man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fargo, you know, too. He's great in Fargo. He's in Saving Private Ryan. He's he's one of the generals in that. He's the guy who's like, we're going to get him the hell out of there. Dude, whenever I see him, I think exactly of that line. Alongside with, we're not a bank, Jerry. But those two, but we're going to get him the hell out of there. Is great delivery, great voice, and a great line. Yeah. And a great actor. Not a good movie, but I enjoyed him in Patch Adams uh, back in the day. Um, so, yeah, he's just a guy that, you know, I just distinctly remember him from a lot yeah. of this kind of stuff. And, and I feel like him. he was a little stiff in this, but he's fine. He's fine. Oh, he's, he's playing the, you know, angry police chief kind of character that I you see it. in, like, Bad Boys and stuff, you know? Yeah, but we compare this to something like a Joey Pants and Bad Boys. I oh, mean, come on. Harvey Presnell's it. great. But he's, he's no him, Joey but... Pants, but he's yeah. great. I love him, but he just was, he could have been anybody in this movie, I thought. Yeah. Um, another guy that I, I really love, John Carroll Lynch, uh, shows up as the main prison guard in this. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know his name, but another Fargo alum as I, as I see him. Yeah. Great Fargo alum, but also uh, really amazing in Zodiac. Um, mm-hmm. He's, uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff he's been in. He's great. He's great in everything he does, honestly. Um, he, like I, I should know his name because I've always liked him. He's he's good in Crazy Stupid Love. I remember him in that. Yeah, he's just a really great. Yeah, character he is actor. good in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, love him. Uh, CCH love Pounder's another character actor in this that that has been in a ton of stuff. She's the uh, she's the uh, woman who convinces him to do the surgery. Who oh then, yeah, who yep. then gets torched. Margaret Chow, by the way. Margaret Cho, yeah. Um, Colm Fior is in it. Uh, he's a, a character actor that I've seen in a bunch of stuff as well. Um, he was the bad guy in the original. Uh, well, he was. In, I, I can't remember if he's in the second one, but I know he's in the original Thor. Um, he's in the movie Chicago. He's. I, I also remember from him from Chronicles of Riddick. You know, so th- this movie is just stacked. Yeah, dude. Uh, we mentioned Thomas Jane. Who's the guy with the scar? Did you say his name? I didn't henchmen? say his name, and let me let me look it up. But I I distinctly remember him from uh, Braveheart. Is where I really remember him. Yeah, I thought I saw him in. It wasn't quite a Game of Thrones, but I was watching something 
like medievalish. It wasn't Braveheart either, but I can't remember what it was. But Tommy Flanagan is his name. Tommy Flanagan. Yeah, he he's got a great look and it looks like he was on Sons of Anarchy for a number of years. Okay. He's also in Gladiator. Gladiator is what I'm thinking of him in. Yes, he's the he's the assistant guy who's loyal to Russell Crowe in that film. Correct. And yeah, yeah, that's um yeah, he's he's just like let's let's uh I'd like to see more scarred actors, honestly. And I don't think it kind of We need more fachas. Yeah, we need more of those like not perfect faces. Like don't get me wrong, he's obviously a handsome dude, but like we we lost Michael K. Williams, like we, and we don't need just a replacement. I just want more. I want more people that don't have perfect, balanced features. Let's get some scars around. Well, let's bring more guys like we saw last week in The Fifth Element into the the mix, like pockmarked, like crazy-looking faces. Like, like yes. It's interesting. It's it's fun. Yes. Just, just be different. Not everyone cool. has to be beautiful. This one probably doesn't deserve mentioning, but uh, his scene really made me uncomfortable. The Danny Masterson scene where he's like raping uh, the daughter in the car uh, or attempting to rape essentially. And like Mm -hmm. that dude is a rapist in real life. So that's a really uncomfortable scene to watch. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Like confirmed. Well, at least you got to see him get the shit kicked out of him, even if it was fake. Yeah. Very much so. Yep. But he's obviously hide from that 70s show. So, Okay. I thought that was him, but I wasn't sure. I didn't want to, you know, rapistly profile. <laughs> Any um, last things we want to touch on before we wrap up here on well, Face Off? A couple of fun little shout outs. I really liked in the kind of penthouse shootout scene, the use of What a Wonderful World through the kids' headphones mm-hmm. playing over the slow motion. Like I, I just I dug it. Like it's great. It's just just a cool, just a legitimately cool moment. And like someone like me who I can tend to be cynical when movies try to be really cool. I mean, that's probably bleeding through this conversation. It can't not. Um, but that is an example of for whatever reason, it really just worked for me. I just was really into the slow motion, the musical choice, the sort of uh the disconnect between such a such a beautiful and peaceful song and such sort of ravenous and sort of uh, violent uh, behavior shot in the slow mo it was just a, a a nice combo and it really worked for me. Yeah, I I completely agree. I really dug that scene. Only thing I don't like in the lead up to that scene is when Gina Gershon gets mad at her kid for playing with toy guns that she fucking bought for him. Like, what the hell? That's true. Could have been his uncle slash true. companion. But yeah, that's, um, who knows? Who knows? Um, another legit, like, again, this movie had a lot in it where I was like, this is just good. Like that moment with when the brother falls to his demise in the penthouse, the mean Travolta reaction to that and the shoe tie, specifically the shoe tie, really works for me because they do not lay that in thick a ton in the movie. It's really just the opening scene at the airport or early on in the film, at least where we see that he does tie his brother's shoe for him every once in a while. And he does keep an eye on him and takes care of him and loves him. And that, that, that kind of, again, the fact that it wasn't overdone, it's not like we saw it five times in the film. It was, we Mm -hmm. just got it once. Just a nice touch. Yeah. And it sat, it sat strong enough for me to remember it 
at the death scene and i was like oh that's sometimes you don't need to hit us over the head it's nice to which is funny to say in this movie because it is so big but it was just done nice i thought i think that's a really tender moment Mm -hmm. and we get to see for the first time caster troy actually caring for somebody or something and i mean in terms of expressing mourning of losing it uh I, i like that moment a lot yeah that's that's pretty much it for me those are the last rounding of my notes and kind of things I wanted to hit. Did you have any you wanted to give any shout outs to before we round the corner on? No, not really. I mean, I don't think that there's a lot more that, that needs to be said. It's, you know, if you're into over the top, absurd action that doesn't take itself too seriously. And in fact, actively challenges you to take it seriously at times. Like, I think you're going to have a fun time with this movie if that's what you're into. Um, if you, don't like action movies that aren't grounded. It's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, not one of my all timers, but I really do think the performances are strong. Even though I think one or two scenes cage goes a little too big for my liking. Everything in this movie performance wise for the most part is, is really good to me. Yeah. And that's one of the strengths of this movie. And I do think it is a super fun premise. The, title of the film perfectly explains what's going to happen and uh, one last shout out i'll give is i actually thought the face transformation surgery scene was really well shot and yeah. like that that whole that whole dude this is cool the fake nick cage and john travolta puppets like that they built are yeah amazing like really look, great look, practical effect they look great just cool just a just a cool flick and i'm 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 really glad that that you got to check it off the list man and i hope it lived up to the hype and was worthy of the expectations. No, it actually exceeded the hype for me. I, I enjoyed it even more than I thought I would. So yeah, really, really fun watch. And I'm glad cool, we got dude. to it. Shall we get something else on the board here? Hell yeah, dude. So my, I think if I remember right, I chose pie last week. Yep. That was the new edition. So this is a Drew Clark nominee to replace face off. What are you, what are you thinking about? Well, a thing that I realized today when I was prepping for this was that I've been putting on too many movies that you've seen already. And I want to, I, I need to take a little more ownership of like, I want to, I want to make you watch some, some new stuff. You know, the goal is to get something that's new to both of us. I think cool. I've got a couple here that I think could be really interesting. I've got three actually that I'm kind of, kind of leaning on right now. Mm-hmm. One, two of them are by the same director, and it's a director we mentioned tonight. Ooh, all right. So and kind of organic. They're both ones that I have not seen. Both very different, but in the genre realm, which is not somewhere that people really know this filmmaker for their efforts in in the genre space as much. Um, and I'm going to pick one of the ones from the same director that I mentioned. Okay. Um, the other one I'm leaving as a maybe, but because of the the amount of movies like it on the board i'm going to say we shouldn't go with it but the okay. other one i'm really fascinated by and i want to see i i i can almost guarantee that both of us have not seen this nice dude the movie is 1995 strange days by catherine bigelow oh yeah i have not seen that I have not seen that. I really like that choice. Let's get another female director up there, too. I like that for a variety of reasons. Very, very nice. Stars Rafe Fiennes, uh, Angela Ooh. Bassett, 
and Juliette Lewis. So I'm really excited to check this out. And it's a, a story and co-written by James Cameron. Love the choice. That is going on at number 19, right next to its James Cameron bedfellow, The Terminator, at number 20. So let's run through that full list before we move on to Throw in the Dart. At number one, we've got You Can Count on Me, number two, Ex Machina, number three, The Right Stuff, number four, The Big Sleep, number five, Operation Condor, number six, Anomalisa, number seven, Amadeus, number eight, Pi, number nine, Days of Heaven, number 10, The Limey, number 11, The Hateful Eight, number 12, The Straight Story, number 13, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, number 14, Schindler's List, number 15, The Friends of Eddie Coyle, number 16, Dirty Harry, number 17, The Blair Witch Project, number 18, Waking Life, number 19, Strange Days, and number 20, The Terminator beautiful i got even i got no one i'm rooting for dude i'm just ready to throw this thing and see what we get i think we're back on track as far as not being too heavy in one area so whatever come what may yeah lefty or righty let's go lefty today i'm feeling all lefty. right that's where lefty my head sounds went. good all right sweet lefty it is i'll be right back Well, Drew, the dart has spoken. What's it saying? 14, one, four. Well, after two weeks in very lighthearted territory, we are heading to the depths of our souls with Schindler's List. Schindler's List. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I do think it'll be kind of an interesting, very big change of pace, but I'm, I'm glad we're going to be talking about it, man. Yeah, no, it's one that I need to watch. I don't know why I haven't yet, but I'm glad to be able to knock it off now. This will be our third shamer in a row, uh, four out of, or sorry, three out of four, uh, or sorry, no, four out of five of the last episodes, including The Sixth Sense, uh, have been these kind of shamer movies that that we're knocking off. So uh, let's continue with the trend, and it's three in a row for me, too. Yeah, and it will be kind of... um cool to check back into a movie very seriously grounded in reality like after yes. after we've had this <laughs> as this grounded flight as of, it gets i guess yeah as, after we've had this sort of flight of fancy with fifth element goofy kung fu hustle and ooh supernatural sixth sense and blah 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 it's like a, a historical genocide film that's going to be dark and difficult and challenging uh, but a movie also, just say this now, I've never seen it in its entirety. I think I've only seen two-thirds of this movie, so it's a bit of a shamer for me as well, and I look forward to to discussing it, man. It'll be a very tonal shift. I don't think there's going to be a lot of farts in it, a lot of jokes, but who knows? You never know, but I could see it being a, a, still an interesting chat, man, and I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited we hit it. Definitely. Well... We will cover that next week on the podcast. For now, that'll do it on our episode for Face Off. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or give us a recommendation, drop us a line at dartboardmovienight at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at dartboardmovienight. Artwork for the show was created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric. Sorry, Mark. Later.